0: Podcast land, you have landed on Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast. I am your host, the Rhino. Well, we had a we had a very interesting card last night from uh, the Rio Rancho card from the UFC. Um, That's what I'm going to start off with. We're going to work into some Twitter questions, some call-in questions, and then I definitely don't want to bury the lead, but we have got a phenomenal interview with the legend of kickboxing and Muay Thai that is John Wayne Parr. So let's go ahead and rock out our UFC uh, Rio Rancho you know, breakdown, and then we'll move on to the uh, Twitter question. So, uh, our last night the the first fight on the main card was Lando Vanetta versus Dancy Baderos now I think a lot of you, just like me, had some really high hopes for this fight. I was thinking because of what they've done in the past, I was thinking these two were going to come out and just trade, not just punches, but kicks, some takedowns, some throws. I mean, I thought it was going to be all over the cage. Just chaos, right? That's that's what I was really hoping for. That is not what transpired last night. Lando decided to use, kind of do his impression of Dominic Cruz, you know, a lot of um, shuffling, a lot of side footwork, a lot of angling in and out, kind of coming in, throwing a two or three piece, and then trying to get back out again. Yancey seemed kind of lost. I think Yancey wanted... What we all wanted was a stand, flat-footed, and fucking brawl, Hawaiian-style, right? But Lando wasn't having it. I'm not saying it wasn't a smart idea from Lando. It wasn't a smart game plan, because it was. But for those of us who were hoping for a fucking barn burner slobber knocker, that he wasn't having that last night. So uh, Lando really outstruck Yancey, like 99 to 68 in significant strikes, sending him home with a clear-cut unanimous decision it was like I said, it was a smart fight for Lando, but kind of left most of us who were thinking that had a potential for the fight of the night kind of scratching our heads, being like, oh man, we were hoping that was, that was going to be a fucking, you know, a jawbreaker of a fight, but it didn't turn out that way. So good on him, and uh, we'll see what's next for him. Uh, moving on to our second fight Rogerio Bontarin versus Ray Borg. As we all we all know, Ray Borg, right? We know the backstory. We know about um, his son's medical problems. We know about how he was affected from the Conor McGregor bus incident. Ray Borg is he's a he's a guy who you kind of want to root for and one. but he, he missed weight, and anytime somebody misses weight, to me, it's it's a form of cheating. I know I don't think people intentionally try to do that very often. But it is. It's fucking cheating, and I hate it. I hate when guys or gals are a few pounds overweight. It's a big advantage because, you know, when they rehydrate, that might be another seven, eight, nine, ten 10 pounds. And when you're fighting at 125, that shit can make a real difference. Um, this was, as we like to call it, Combat Sports Round. This was, again, another example of one-way traffic. Ray Borg, from start to finish, dominated Rogerio, okay? Not only was it on the strikes, but he had, like, 10 takedowns. He just steamrolled him. Uh, cleared a path to a clear-cut unanimous decision for him. I don't like to talk too much about it when people miss weight. I don't really want to give him too much praise because, again, it's a form of cheating. So uh, we'll move on from that. Next was one I was really looking forward to, okay, Brock Weaver. Uh, from the moment he cut that promo on the Dana White Contender Series, I was like, man, this kid's got something. I really enjoy his uh, his ability to, to, to tell a story. I really enjoy the way he fights. He's a solid wrestler good strong kid good looking kid I really wanted to see what was gonna be next for him um he comes out and Rodrigo Vargas too who came in with zero fanfare didn't give a shit <laughs> about the fanfare and the uh, and the walk-in of Brock Weaver he came out and from the moment the bell rang he was cracking in with straight punches a few kicks he took Brock down got him up against the cage there was some sub there was a sub attempt from Brock um you know the Vargas kid got out and then, for some unknown fucking reason, threw a hellacious knee right into Brock's face, flash knocked him out, tried to follow up with ground and pound too. Thankfully, the ref, shout out to him, was quick on the draw and got on there and got uh, Vargas pulled off of him before he could land any more ground and pound while Brock was out. Now, Brock came right back too, you know, two, three seconds later and seemed to want to go, but it was such an egregious fucking Uh, knee on the ground which is totally illegal that the referee did the right thing DQ'd Vargas gave Brock Weaver the win Um, you know he disqualified him at 402 of, of round one but Vargas was winning the fight at the time, so I don't, I don't know if that was something that he had just lost control, if he didn't, if he wasn't aiming for that, like if he was going to go for like a, like a knee to the body, a la John Jones and Chael Sonnen. I'm not sure what was going through his head, but come on, man, you have got to be in more control than that, because you were winning the fight, you were going to have a big upset. It looked like you were heading that way anyway, and you fucked and screwed the pooch by throwing a terrible knee and yeah, you got disqualified. So, you know, it wasn't a really good, it wasn't a really good, uh, what do you call it, sample size to see what these guys have for their next fights. But yeah, <laughs> dude, that was not good. So uh, unfortunately it became a theme for later on in the evening, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, our next fight comes from, uh, was Montana De La Rosa versus Mara Romero Borella from Italy. Um, this was another one on the card that I thought, you know, probably had some potential. Uh, it just kind of fell flat. You know, it kind of felt uninspired. Uh, my biggest takeaway was that uh, Montana and Mara were very evenly matched, right? Similar size, similar strength, similar um, ways, styles of fighting. Montana only outstruck Mara by 10, right? Only 74 to 64, uh, which did include a knockdown. So each fighter had one takedown as well. But I agree with the decision uh, for De La Rosa. Uh, Big ups to her, by the way, for competing later in the evening after her husband um, had been stopped earlier on the card. That was the first time ever in the UFC where a husband and wife had fought on the same card. And to see your significant other or your husband or wife get dropped and stopped and hurt, and then to be able to put that away uh, later on in the same night, and then go out there and perform and win, it's very impressive to me. I was really impressed with her heart and her her ability to put that aside and go out there and do her thing. So, again, it wasn't the most inspired fight. It wasn't the the great fight that I was kind of maybe thinking it could be, but, you know, it, it was what it was. So that's on that for uh, for that one. Uh, moving on our way to the co-main, we had Diego Nightmare Sanchez versus Michelle Pajeda. Now, all of us who've seen either of these guys fight, we know Diego is loony fucking tunes, dude. He he tries to draw energy from thunderstorms, and he says very crazy, outlandish stuff. He's got a very weird guru who is his coach. Uh, Michelle Pajeda is a Brazilian dude who loves doing the flippy flips, right? He loves to jump off the cage. He has actually done backflips onto guys in the middle of fights. So a very uh, strange matchup, if you will. But I was looking forward to it. I was thinking there was going to be some weird stuff. The only really thing unusual that happened, well, there really wasn't unusual. Michelle Pajeda was was piecing up Diego Sanchez over the first two rounds. Again, over the first two and a half he was winning the fight clearly. Diego seemed to step slower. Pajeda was faster. There was a clear cut looking to me like he was going to cruise to victory for Pajeda. And then again, what the fuck was going on with guys last night? Diego's up against the fence and Pajeda throws another or I'm sorry, not another, but another for the evening. Low fucking knee to Diego's face, illegal, Diego can't continue. It's considered another DQ and a win for Diego over Michelle Pejeda. What the fuck are you guys doing out there? It's a rule. You may not like it, but you got to follow it. Otherwise, this is what happens. You win two and a half rounds of a three-round fight, and you throw it away by throwing a stupid fucking knee to a ground opponent's head and face. Not a good idea, Michelle. So I don't know, man. I, I I hope Diego retires. I really I'm I've just I've loved the guy for so long. He is definitely showing some odd behavior. Even for him, I, I want him to get out of the game, dude. I heard him talking about he wanted to do lethway. Please don't do that, Diego. Come on, bro. You got, I'm sure you've got plenty of money. I'm sure there's plenty of grappling tournaments you can get into. We're not going to take any more headshots. Let's, let's ride off into the sunset, my man. I'm a big fan of yours for forever, ever since tough one. Let's, let's move on through. And Pajeda, I don't even know what to tell you, bro. You really need to study up on the fucking rules. Uh, Maybe you and uh, the other kid, what was the other kid's name? Vargas. Maybe you and Vargas can take another uh, uh, rules lesson on how you're not allowed to knee a ground opponent to the face. Uh, that lets us segue into the main event of the evening: Jan Blacovich versus Corey Anderson. In what a lot of people thought was who came out of this one was going to be the next contender for John Jones at two hundred five, uh, which we'll talk more in depth lately uh, later in the show. Uh, this one didn't last very long, right? It just kind of, kind of came out, did a little tit for tat back and forth, you know, kind of feeling each other out. A few things landed for Corey, a few things landed for Jan, and then it just. Without any warning, just bang straight to by Jan puts Corey out first round stoppage for Blackovic. Sorry, Corey, but again, man, you were right. There are levels to this game, <laughs> and Jan Blakowicz definitely leveled up last night. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later with our questions about what I see next uh, for those guys. My my big balls of the night award goes to Shana or Shanna Young uh, out of Tennessee for stepping in on just five days' notice. And facing a very tough Macy Chase on and giving her the business in round one. I mean, she came out with a high left kicks a couple of times, really rocked Macy, stood in there with punches. I mean, my goodness, she had a great showing for herself in the first round after literally after five days notice. Um, and in the second round, dude, she got her ass kicked. Macy just beat and pummeled on her and fucking landed and ground and pound and tried submission after submission. And Young stayed in the game. Super duper impressed with your grit, young lady, with your heart, with your durability. I really want to see what you have down the road when you get a full camp. I, full disclosure, I love Macy Chason, right? I think she's going to be a 5'11 at, one, at her division. That's insane. And she's got a lot of tools, and I really like her. But, yeah, my big balls award. Definitely shout out to uh, Shannon Young, man. That was awesome. So, uh, real quickly, I want to go to... Well, I'll just say real quick too that Jim Sue and we'll hear his voice question later. He said it perfectly on uh in his question he was like I thought the prelims were really good and I thought the main card left a lot to be desired. That's exactly how I feel too, buddy. Uh I really enjoyed the prelims, the main card not so much. <laughs> my uh my picks for next Saturday's um uh, Auckland, New Zealand fight night. I'm going to go over real quick, just the main card. I've got, uh, and I'm believe me, I know Juice is going to get me for butchering these names, but come on, bear with me. I got Tukagov over Aguilar by UD. I've got Riddle over Mustafiev, also by UD. I got my man Rogério De Lima with a first round KO over KO over Ben Sassoli. Oh, the beautiful Carolina over uh, Jan by split decision. I got Jimmy crook with a third-round TKO over, over Oleksijewik. <laughs> That's the best I got, Olex Uh, And then finally the main card, I got my man Paul Felder creating the big upset from the hometown guy. Uh, I got a second-round TKO over Dan Hooker in what I'm hoping is going to be a fucking barn burner. I cannot wait for that. So we are going to uh, move on into our Twitter questions. We are going to start with, the uh, the righted ones, and they're going to be read by my beautiful, wonderful, and incredibly talented assistant by uh, Twitter reader, Bailey. And our first question comes from Ken at Big Daddy Tittles. And he asks us,
1: the UFC has had a growing problem with fighters and illegal striking recently. I don't really agree with the illegal knees to a downed opponent. We've seen fighters be conscious of this rule and place a hand or a leg on the ground to try to avoid strikes when they're in a bad position. I think it's too easy for a fighter to use this rule to try and manipulate the fight. What are your feelings on illegal strikes like knees to a downed opponent and the 12-6 to 6 elbow? Do you think it's time to maybe re- revise some of these rules as the sport continues to evolve?
0: That, that's a great question. That's a great question, Ken. Um, I'm gonna address the twelve to six elbows first. I do think that uh, that rule could be repealed right now. There is no fucking evidence of any kind that a 12 to 6 elbow is going to be any more devastating than any other elbow or any other strike um, that the UFC guys can implore in a mixed martial arts fight. I, I do, I, obviously, I do believe that you can't have the 12 to 6 elbow at the back of the head or on the spine or in the cup region, right? Those rules should stay in place. But the 12 to 6 elbow, I think, is fine, it can be implemented right away that it's legal to use. Unfortunately, I man, I hate this thing, but it's true. The right now, you're right, fighters are manipulating the rule about having a hand down or two hands down or whatever you want to fucking do for the downed opponent. I'm putting that in air quotes uh, to avoid taking a knee when they're down, but knees are so devastating already, particularly when you're on the ground. I don't have the answer to fix that. I don't want it to turn into what they had in the pride days with, with a downed opponent being able to get kneed in the head. I just thought that was fucking too far, man. Too brutal, too devastating, and too serious of an injury that could take place in a very easy and quick manner with knees to the head of a grounded opponent. So for right now... I got to stick with the current rules as they are for a a grounded opponent. No knees for sure. So once again, Ken, thank you so much. Big daddy tittles. Um, Our next question comes from Antonio, my dude over in uh, the Netherlands. And Antonio asks us, What's next for Jones?
1: Jan next or a rematch with Reyes? or maybe first Jan versus Reyes?
0: I don't think that the performance last night is going to give us the Jan versus Jones next. I think people are still going to be clamoring for Reyes too. I think the majority, at least half, of uh, UFC fans saw last weekend's fight as a Reyes win. So I think people are going to be clamoring for that to be run back. So Jan Blakowicz with a great win last night, I think he gets up to, like, you know, number one contendership from that. But as far as the actual next shot, I think it's going to be Reyes, dude. So, Antonio, thank you so much for writing in, my brother. Um, our Our last write-in comes from my main man, Mr. B. And Mr. B writes... All right, I just want your thoughts on next week's card. Yeah, dude, I'm really looking forward to next week's card, Mr. B. If for nothing else than the the Jimmy Crute fight, I'm really looking forward to. I am super-duper stoked on uh, Hangman Hooker versus Paul Felder. And and so, yeah, I um, I love those cards that are in either Australia or New Zealand because their fans really bring it, dude. They are so into it. They are pumped. You know, last night when we were all watching the prelims, how many seats were wide open? More than half, right, until the main card. I'm telling you, when they go to Australia or New Zealand, those boys are going to be packed from the time the prelims are going. So really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fucking real fun one. Lots of fun matchups. Definitely into it. Um, Yeah, dude. So, yeah, thank you for asking the question, my man, next week. And then, Bailey, thank you so much for calling in with us today and reading our Twitter questions. We really appreciate your time and efforts, and we thank you. We'll talk to you soon. And now we're going to move into one of our favorite segments of the show, our voice uh, message call-ins. Our first one comes from the homie Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. And Juice asks, What's up, Rhino? It's your boy Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast.
1: And I've got a question for you. I want to know, how's training camp going, bud? I'm super excited to... uh, to check out your fight uh, in March, and so uh, I wanted to send you those positive vibes. Wanted to see uh, uh, how's training camp going. And uh, if you can give us any update, War
0: Rhino, yeah! <laughs> my man Juice. So what Juice is referring to is that, uh, yeah, even though I am in the latter of the ladder of the latter part of my uh, pro fighting career, I have been offered another fight for the end of uh, next month. I had I did start training this past week. I haven't fully accepted the fight yet. i got to give myself a few weeks to see how my body um, kind of, you know, conforms to the training schedule. So far, so good, man. My back is killing me. My shoulders, my hands, my wrists, my knees, everything hurts. But I'm telling you, I'm starting to feel, I'm kind of turning the corner a little bit. So, yeah, training so far has been a blast. It's been great to be back at my gym. Uh, getting in there with the other guys again. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty cool. So, we will see. I'll keep everybody updated on it. But, yeah, right now, training is going pretty good for the first week. So, thank you so much for asking that, my friend. Um, our next question comes from the- the big homie Jim Massoon, the king of Twitter, as I like to call him, Jim. Jim, what do you have for us today, sir? Rhino, i my man. How's it going, big guy?
2: Well, that uh, Rio Rancho was a little bit of a lackluster card, if you ask me. The freedoms were pretty lit, but the uh, main card was uh, something to be desired, to say the least. Pretty fucking weird. But uh, my question for you is, what's up for Yan? You really think the UFC is going to give him Jones? I don't. I think it's Jones Reyes next probably. Probably gonna give Yon Santo something the winner of that takes off the winner of a uh, Jones and Reyes. Anyways. That's my question for you there, big guy. Give up the great work. It's always four
0: twenty. Peace. I've said it before and I will say it every single time. Combat sports with Rhino is not complete! without a Jimmassoon question in some manner. Jim, thank you so much for asking that one. I touched on it a little bit earlier with uh Antonio's writing question, but yeah, for me, I don't think last night was enough for Jan to get the next shot at Jones. I think it's Reyes all day. I think like like 90% is gonna be it's gonna be Reyes too with John Jones. I love your idea of when Santos comes back from his surgeries, once he's able to compete again, for him and Jan to fight And then the winner of that gets the winner of Reyes Jones. I love that idea, man. I am fucking so for it. Fully on board. Absolutely 100%. So, Jim, I couldn't agree more with you. Thanks so much for calling in, my man. Um, Our last voice question comes from, it's a new caller. Mixed a man, my homie on MMA Twitter, and he's not only a homie to me and to my show, but he is a great supporter of many other shows uh, about MMA. He, he's a great dude. He's really funny. Uh, the only thing I have against him is that he's a Vikings fan, and I'm a diehard Lions fan, and we all know who gets the last laugh. There, it's him. So my man, Mixed a man, uh, asks us, right? it's your buddy, Mixed
1: a man here, calling in with a question. Say, wondering what you think are going to be the standout divisions in 2020 here in the UFC. It seems like most of the cards are kind of starting to take shape. I mean, we've got headliners out till July at this point. So when you kind of look down the look down the schedule here, what what divisions do you really think are going to stand out with exciting matchups and interesting challengers for the champions? Get at me, buddy. Thanks
0: for for me dude first of all that's a great question for me it's it's to me it's clear uh 185 being middleweight and 155 uh 155 has what everyone kind of aspires in sports to like knock off the, the best of the best right and that really inspires people to uh to work their fucking ass off to try to get to that level there is nobody bigger than having the undefeated champion being um Habib, right? And so you—you you got the talent like Tony. Uh, you've got so many other guys at 155. I think it is a sharks fucking tank of guys who all have a you know have a case to be made to make it to 155. You got Poirier. You got Connor. You, there, there, are so many fun, interesting matchups that can be made at 55. I definitely want to see what happens at 55. That's really probably the most exciting for me, even though I'm a heavyweight stan. Uh The other being 185. I think Izzy Romero is going to be huge. I think the winner of that, which is probably going to be Izzy, to be honest, but you never know. Uh, I think Costa is going to get the winner of that. The, dude, 85 has so many young up-and-comers. I just, I love 85 as well. So for me... 155 and 185 are the two divisions to watch this upcoming year. I think they're going to have the most interesting fights, the most narratives behind them, the most publications behind them, the most publicity. I think it's going to be awesome. So, yep, 155 and 185 to answer your question, sir. Thanks so much for calling in. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the again, the legend of Muay Thai, the, the greatest kickboxer Muay Thai fighter, probably ever not born in Thailand. Here's my interview with John Wayne Parr. Okay, fans of Combat Sports with Rhino, we have an unreal treat for you today. The words in our lexicon, legend, pioneer, revolutionary, and GOAT, get used an awful lot, particularly in the world of combat sports. But today, I have all of those words wrapped up into one. John Wayne Parr, kickboxing Muay Thai legend. John, how are you today, sir?
2: Mate, i that. Uh, introduction i'm amazing
0: (laughs) well believe me if the people out there don't know that we were having some hard times uh on our end trying to get this together so i am over the moon excited um i don't even have close to enough time to list the resume of world titles uh, of this guy so again i got to present to you from queensland australia john wayne parr before we get into any fight related questions john I want to make sure uh, I ask you is everyone okay in the family and friends circle from the terrible wildfires from your homeland?
2: Yeah, yeah. Luckily, for where I live, um, we didn't get affected. Uh, it was more down uh, New South Wales and Victoria area that was uh, badly sort of, yeah, it was very, very uh, devastating. Yeah, it was so bad. Uh, uh, and now we've got a. Uh, heavy rains for the last few days. So we've got, we've got a little bit of flooding now. So oh, it's wow. if not one thing, it's the other. Yeah, yeah right.
0: Yeah. Jeez. Oh, oh I'm yeah, certainly the, glad the to hear that. Yeah, right. If it's, sure. not, if,
2: it's not the, if it's not the animals, it's not the nature.
0: Right. I'm so glad to hear everybody's okay, man. I really, I didn't know, um, you know, exactly the trajectory of how the fires went. So I'm glad to hear that everyone is okay. Um, on your end of things, uh, John, you managed to have a career of well over a hundred pro fights spanning over 20 years, in the three most brutal combat sports there are being Muay Thai, kickboxing, and boxing. What do you attribute your longevity to?
2: Uh, I, ever since I could pretty much walk, um, I, I always wanted to be a professional fighter of some sort. Um, when I was young, I lived on farms, so I, I wanted to be a fighter, but I didn't know what, in what style because I didn't know what was close to home. So it wasn't until I was age 11 that uh, the closest martial arts school near our house was uh, Taekwondo. So I tried Taekwondo for about a year and a half, and I thought it was amazing. Uh, I wanted to go to Korea. Uh, I wanted to stand in the line with uh, hundreds of other uh, Koreans and do the carters and do everything else and just just uh, living the dream. And then uh, approximately about, oh, yeah, about, about a year and a half in the the Taekwondo school I was training at, they, uh, they closed down. and They couldn't make enough rent to support themselves, so – They closed and there was about six months of limbo where I'm not too sure what I was going to do. And uh, it just happened that the kickboxing moved into the same hall that the taekwondo school was in. And uh, being a little bit uh, disheartened, I thought, uh, it's not taekwondo. I'll do this until I find another taekwondo school. And then luckily for me, my very first uh, kickboxing class, I just thought this was amazing. This was the next level uh, punches to the head. Uh, leg kicks, the whole business.
0: Right,
2: but uh, yeah, this is this is this is awesome. So then, um, I'd, I'd only been training uh, a few short weeks, and the movie Kickboxer came out with uh, Van Dam. Oh yeah, and, and then here's the story of a guy going to Thailand and fighting the Thais and and beating the most ferocious Thai there was out there. Tong Po. I thought, oh, this is this is me. This is this is this is the lifestyle I want to live. I want, I want to go over to Thailand and and fight their equivalent of Tong Po. So, um, yeah, from from approximately the age of 13, uh, even to this day, I'm, I'm still trying to walk in Dan Dan's footsteps and and try and create my own legacy in the world of kickboxing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, John, we mentioned Thailand just then. Uh, you lived in Thailand for several years. If you could educate myself and my listeners, what's like a typical week of training and life like living as a fighter in Thailand, particularly a foreign fighter?
2: Yeah, I was very lucky to be picked up at one of, one of the, the big camps in Bangkok. Uh, so the deal was so I I train for free I sleep for free I eat for free but then when I fight I give the camp fifty percent of my prize money. So at, at the start I was only making um, approximately twenty dollars a fight thirty dollars a fight and then it slowly picked up and then um, once I started fighting for the number one promoter in Thailand uh, then my first prize money was ten thousand fifteen then twenty then thirty and then um, um, my highest. For a single fight it was uh, 70 thousand 70, which worked out to be about uh, three and a half thousand dollars Australian.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, and then uh, in two thousand and four, I was very lucky to win a uh, an eight man tournament at, at Rodgernm Stadium, where, where uh, I was given one one million baht prize money. Wow. So when, when you're giving fifty when you're giving fifty percent of uh, twenty dollars to the camp, it's not so bad. But when, uh, so a million dollars, a million baht worked out to be 35,000 Australian.
0: Oh, wow. So we had
2: to hand over. 17,000. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> it was, it was quite, quite rough. It was very rough.
0: That's a big so, chunk. At the
2: same time, um, yeah, for all, all the memories that I have, uh, it, it hurt at the time, but it, it was well worth it To, to yeah, my, my, the, 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 where I am today, I wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the camp. So. To get that $15,000, it was money well paid.
0: Awesome. As recently as a few years ago when you were on the Joe Rogan Experience, you said that you felt like combat sports and coverage, combat sports coverage in Australia, was almost exclusively UFC content. Uh, here in the states, you know we've got Bellator, the PFL, Combate Americas, regular boxing, Glory, occasionally Muay Thai when Lion fights is on. Would you has things changed since you were on that show last in the last five years? Have they has Australia maybe uh, expounded their coverage of other combat sports, or is it still very UFC heavy there?
2: Yeah, very UFC. Uh, from 96 to about oh, maybe 2017, 2018, uh, we had uh, Fox Sports was, was playing the kickboxing once a week. Uh, and then we had a magazine that was coming out once a month. And uh, it was easy to keep up to date with who's coming up and who's the superstars and who's fighting who. And um, it, it was a great media outlet to it just in coverage. And, the, and then since the popularity of UFC, um, uh, I, I to a couple of people at Fox Sports and I say, well, th- there's so much free coverage that uh, while we're paying for kickboxing, we can get all this UFC um, for free. Oh, okay. So they're, they're, they're running with the, um, the embedded and the, 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 the all the befores and interviews and everything else. So um, for them, it works out much more profitable because of all the pay-per-views as well. So I can understand the reasoning, but um, it, it just sucks if you're a kickboxer trying to get mainstream
0: and, and, right. and well-known. Get some coverage down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mentioned the Lion Fights promotion. So they're on the Access TV channel for a while, and now occasionally they're on CBS Sports. Do you think that Muay Thai could eventually become kind of uh, maybe on the right tier just below MMA here in America if they were given the right platform?
2: Uh, I truly hope so. Uh, I really think it seems like America is the last frontier where the sport really hasn't kicked off yet. Uh, right. In England and Russia and Belarus and Australia and New Zealand, all these other countries uh, seem to really uh, adapt it to the Muay Thai and really enjoy it. It just, it just seems, uh, even when they aired the uh, the Contender Asia reality TV show, they got halfway through the series and then uh, the network that I was on decided to drop it and play college football instead because
0: oh, the, the ratings
2: weren't quite, yeah, I know. Everyone was emailing me, what happened to the show? Right. I, <laughs> I was so intrigued and what was going to happen and, and then they were putting up an episode uh, every week online instead of on the TV, which um, which really sucked. So every time uh, Muay Thai seems to be uh, taking a step forward, it ends up taking two steps back. So, um, and it's really cool what, what Lion Fight is doing and trying to get the, the sport out there. And, and hopefully with a bit more, a few more shows, that it, it can finally get into people's lounge rooms that wouldn't usually watch the show. But, um, yeah, it just needs that one big promotion uh uh, someone's got a bit of money that they can. I think what they need to do is is do what USC is doing with the embedded shows, where they go out to the fighters' houses and they they do interviews and they um, they sit with the fighters. So you get to know the personality, not just right. the fighter himself, but you will also realise, all oh, right, he's got he's got uh, a mother, a father, a, a two pets, um, he's got kids. Um, he's he's had a rough lifestyle um, coming up through school. Um, just say so you're invested in in that person's um, personality, not just as a fighter, but a, just as a person.
0: Yeah, that's exactly why I think and the then, success um, yeah, of tough one. Yeah. The, 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 success of tough one, I think that was exactly what you said. It was what we got to see some of these guys behind the scenes and see what their backstory was. And that's what got us all so interested in it. Yes, for sure. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Just, yeah. There's so <coughs> many quality keepers out there. Uh, for EG, uh, Kevin Ross. Yeah. Um, he has an amazing, amazing story. How he, how he came back from alcoholism and now he's one of the, the top fighters in the world. And, and, once he once he found his goal and, and his focus, um, he went all the way to the top. And then um, stories like that, as there's stuff that inspires the young kids that want to get into the sport, where they can show that uh, no matter how life is treating you and what hurdles you, you you're, you're facing, um, there's always a positive light at the end of the tunnel. With a, a, if you're determined to put in a bit of hard work and not afraid of failure. Um, Yeah, fighting sports is amazing.
0: Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. Now it's funny that we mentioned that, like, kind of seeing the backstory. My next question for you, John, is how did the documentary "John Wayne Parr: Blessed with Venom" come about? Uh, By the way, to my listeners, if you haven't seen it, check this out. It is an amazing watch. Were you happy with the outcome of the film?
2: Oh, for sure. Uh, So one of my uh, one of the students I was training at the gym, his parents, uh, well, his father was into the filming. Um, shooting movies and documentaries and everything else. And, and then every afternoon, while his son was training, I'd, I'd talk about Thailand and the adventures that I had. And then just randomly one day he said, hey, would, would, you, would you be interested in shooting a documentary one day? I said, oh, I'd love to. That'd be so cool. Yeah. So he talked there. Uh, He's a uh, main producer. And uh, they were quite interested. So uh, a week or so later, they, they propositioned me. He would you like, to go to Thailand. We'll, we'll go visit your camp and we'll, we'll go to uh, shoot some history. So we jumped on a plane, we arrived at the hotel. Uh, the next morning, uh, the producer, he slid me a, a piece of paper and a pen, and he said, okay, I want you to write down everyone that you think would be uh, uh, good for the documentary. Uh, so I wrote down the camp, and I wrote down the promoter Song chai and wrote down uh, Sanchai, and all these other famous people. Yeah. All my opponents, all, all my, all my uh, uh, Single, aid, uh, uh just, just uh, off the top of my head. And then every single person that we rang happened to be available. Uh, so we we went went to all the different camps and different offices and we interviewed everybody and uh, it, it took about two or, two or three weeks to shoot the film and then another uh, ten months in the studio to to piece it all together to make a to make a make a story so it just um, it had a, a storyline that could be easy to follow follow uh, so then once it was all finished it just happened I was fighting fighting Michael Zambides in Melbourne so uh, everyone flew to Melbourne to come and support me. And it just happened that one of the owners, uh, Birch Carol McCoy, which is a big cinema company here in Australia, uh, he was at the, the, the venue and he knew the producer quite well. And they started chatting and he said, hey, wait, what are you guys doing here? And he, Oh, here it is, support John Wayne. Actually, we've just been shooting a documentary. And then the the, gen- the gentleman that owns the cinema said, hey, uh, any chance I can get a, a, a preview? I'd, I'd love to have a look at it. So they sent him a copy. And then uh, after you watched the wrote a message, hey, this is this is really inter- entertaining. Uh, do you mind if I put it in cinemas for a, for a few days? Oh, um, really? Just to say you had a cinema, just say you had a cinema run, so you can put that in the resume. So when it's time to on sell everything else, um, so they put it in the cinemas for two days, and then after two days, the cinema uh, contacted the the people and said, hey, look, it's doing really well. Do you mind if I keep it in for a week? And after a week, they contact them again. Hey, it's still selling. Well, can so we keep it for another week? So what turned out, <laughs> out be two, two days ended up ended up getting a two week run in the cinemas across Australia. Wow. So it was amazing. The 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 premiere, the, the premiere premier night, went out up having uh, four hundred and fifty people in, in the biggest room at the cinema uh, in my hometown. Uh, so I hired a limousine, bought a new suit. Oh and yes, sir. My parents, yeah, my, 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 uh, just got to, got to 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 live the live the dream. and right. then When the actual uh, documentary started, to see um. A, a, the size of your head on the on a cinema screen is quite mind-blowing <laughs> they're very very surreal very very pinch yourself moment in life
0: sure yeah, you don't have to tell me about having a giant head because you can see on your side of the screen. Yeah. This dome is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't even think it would fit on a yeah. <laughs> movie screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, John, you've been you've long been known to be like just a really quality person, both inside and outside of the ring. One of your guys you trained, George Saint Pierre, Wonder Boy Thompson, Demetrius Johnson. These are all kind of guys who I think followed in your example of you don't need a trash talk, you don't need that to have an edge. Do you still kind of feel that way, or do you feel some fighters do need that? to get them going, to do that trash talk, or to make themselves hate their opponent?
2: Yeah, it's so hard. Um, c- coming from a, uh, a Muay Thai background, uh, th- th- there's never been any trash talk. It's all about respect and honor and the whole business. And then and then MMA came along, and Conor McGregor came along, and uh, Taylor, Taylor Sonnen and Michael Bisbing, uh, they're, they're the masters of the trash talk. And, right. and I think everyone's seen them gain... Uh, uh, people interest, they, people all of a sudden started getting invested. And it's like, oh, man, I, I can't wait to see this guy fight. After all the trash he's talked, it'd be interesting to see if he can back it up. Um, so they, they got to jump the queue and uh, become infamous from, from right. being trash talking. So uh, it's such a hard call. It's one of those ones where you really have to be good because uh, to sell your soul and to talk shit, and then if you lose, it comes back tenfold, but if you win, if you win. Like Conor McGregor, you, you just you just you explode into that stratosphere.
0: Yeah.
2: So yeah, it's one of it's one it's of those times tough where call, are you right? To, are you <laughs> to to, you, yeah, yeah. If you really have to win, if you're gonna talk shit, you really have to win because whenever it's like um, it's like if you say, oh, that guy punches like a girl, and then if that guy beat you, you got beaten by a guy that punches like a girl. So what? What that makes you? So it's so, so it's a rough one. It's definitely tough.
0: Right, right. So, John, I, uh, I wrote this one the other day, and I, I honestly, I think this is my favorite question I've ever written for any of my guests I've ever had in my life. And you really have to put your thinking cap on for a second, sir. Okay, so I want you to imagine for a second. It's like 500 years ago, and we're in John Wayne Parr Village, right? And you Whoa. are you are like kind of the the, the high protector of this village, and a, an invading horde of bad guys is coming in. You get to pick five of your former opponents in the history of your Jeez. career that get to fight on your side. So kind of your your version of the best, toughest guys who you'd want to be fighting for the John Wayne Parr village to, to fight Ooh. off the inv- the invading horde. <sighs> who would those five guys be? Now I picked five of your former opponents and I wonder who you're thinking, then we can kind of compare and contrast.
2: Okay, excuse me.
0: Alright, I've got,
2: Co- got? Cosmo
0: Alexandre. Yokes and Clyde Fairtex. Yep, that's two. Dwayne Bang Ludwig. Ooh. Steve Wakeling.
2: Ooh, that's another good one.
0: And Mike Zambidis. That's who I would have as your crew, if you will, to, 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 to beat those other guys. Is there anybody you would like to replace anybody with, or what do you think?
2: I, I like the Cosmo. Um, I've got and Clyde, Zambidis. I've got Borkow. And I'll also get Cosmo as well.
0: Okay, so the only replacement is, is Bang Ludwig. He is he's off the team, John. Dwayne is out of here.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> try we'll we'll Karen Bork- <laughs> instead. Uh, Bork- Bork- is okay. I'll, I'll, I don't mind having I'll
0: Bork- Bork- do. I'll <laughs> do. Bork- I love it. <laughs> yeah. Now I guarantee you I know you've been interviewed a lot. I guarantee you've never been asked that question before.
2: No, I never had <laughs> It's a definitely a
0: good hypothetical. Yeah, right? It's a safe one, right? All right, John, we're actually creating towards the end. This is our last question for you because we don't want to take up too much of your time. We know how busy you are. So those of us who follow you and have seen posts and videos about the second generation of the Fighting par family, uh, your daughter Jasmine has picked up the torch and she has taken it to the fighting arena. Can you kind of explain what it's like, the differences between you competing yourself and then watching your, your kid go out there and compete?
2: Yeah, it's very. It's a little bit, nerve, a little bit nerve wracking. Uh, so she started fighting when she was eight. Uh, so when she was seven, she she was doing the classes and just having fun and fun and just being a, a cute little girl. And then uh, she approached me and my wife saying, "Hey, uh, I really want to start competing." And it's like, "Oh, maybe not till you're eight, just in case." In case. And then on her eighth birthday, she goes, "Hey, happy birthday! I'm eight now. Uh, can I start fighting now?" I was like, Damn it. She remembered. <laughs> so, That's so we just have. We have we happen to have a, a little show coming up uh, not too long after, so um, we put it on the show. And then I thought, I'll, 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 I'll ring the newspaper. I'll see if the newspaper will do a story. And then we've got something for the Scramble. Then we can keep that forever. Sure. So they came out. They did a little story. We've got some pictures together. And um, it was very, very cute. And then the the paper approached us and hey, do you mind if we come to the venue and we'll do a follow-up story to see how she goes? Uh, it's amazing. And then um, I said, oh, do you mind if we bring uh, Channel 9, uh, TV crew with us, and you get on the TV as well. So oh, even better. And then little too little did I know that they were they were setting me up to fail. They uh the next day Jazzy, Jazzy had a fight. She ended up getting a draw. Um, the other girl was really strong, but Jazzy came back and uh, come back and I didn't have to get a draw anywhere. And then the next day I went down to the news agent. I I went to buy the paper, and on the very front page, uh, Jazzy made the front cover of the newspaper. Wow. And the and the. Oh, no, no, no. And then the title wrote, uh, uh, Eight-Year-Old Girls, uh, what was it? Uh, no, no. Ben uh, You of Drunken Yobbo Screaming for Eight-Year-Old Blood. And it's like, what the hell oh, is this? No. And then, they, oh, no. And then the way they wrote it was just like, oh, no. And then uh, from that moment, it just exploded. I had I a... Had, uh, uh, I had an, an, a current affair TV crew at my house at six in the morning, knocking down on my door. I'm um, trying to get an exclusive interview. <laughs> so I went downstairs. I went downstairs, answered the door. I said, oh, look, everyone's sleeping. Um, we' well, I happened to do an interview, but can we come back a little bit later? Um, we'll, we'll go to the gym, blah, blah, blah. So J- Jazzy's got all dolled up and went to the gym. She, she's done pads and done some push-ups and sit-ups and a little bit of bag work and looked amazing. And then um, the TV crew left. And then, about an hour later, they gave me a call saying, Hey, look, we've just reviewed the footage. Unfortunately, I use it because you guys seemed way too happy. Um, the storyline that we're trying to run was uh, it didn't run in line with the, what you guys portrayed, right, So, I right. use it. <laughs> uh, so they, they said, they, said the, the, the only word of advice we can give you is turn your phone off because you're the number one trending story in Australia today. And then from that moment, my phone just went crazy. Wow! Crazy, I'm getting new Paper, these um and they, they all wanted to throw me under the bus. for, for two weeks, I was a, the worst father in Australia um, for allowing my daughter to fight to fight and possibly get brain damage. And what I was I like, doing? Um, not taking care of my own uh, bloodline, and it was just bizarre. Uh, and then, um, uh, after that, like I because I went on Google and I thought, just how far has this story travelled? Little did I know, it had been to Europe. Europe and England and America and uh, all these different countries. Uh, it even went to a, a news service called Al-Ghazir in uh, the Middle East. Wow. Uh, they were worried about girls fighting in p- pads. Every, every single second story was um, uh, bombings and uh, murders and all these. And then they worried about eight-year-old girls fighting in pads. I was like, oh, come on, guys. And then uh, I was very really lucky that um, a TV camera, a TV, TV crew from America came for the Today Show, the morning show. And uh, they were saying, well, if we want girls on the front line in war, why, what's wrong with little girls fighting in pads if it's boys doing it? Boys would have got high fives, but because it's girls, all of a sudden it's a controversy. So that was the first time that someone had given me a positive sort of right. half story. And then uh, another gentleman rang me from an Australian um, newspaper, and he said, Hey, my kids do Taekwondo. We, we love it. We think it's amazing. Um, he said, The only word of advice I can give you is, um, t- uh, today's Today's story is tomorrow's fish and chip wrapper. So whatever happens that once they once they have finished picking on you, they'll pick on someone else tomorrow. So just just uh, ride it out and don't get too emotional about it and just uh, it, it'll blow over. And now now Jazzy's sixteen, she's fought in England twice, Thailand twice and uh, Canada Canada once. So she's seen the world at sixteen. It's wow. just mind blowing that the the opportunity she's had. Um, and, and she doesn't she's finished school now, she wants a, she's done her certificates um three and four. For from fitness and so she can teach my private lessons and um, coach. So no, it's it's um, yeah, it's very it's very exciting. It, the The future is bright.
0: Oh, that's very cool, John. Again, we don't want to take up too much of your time, sir. Uh, again, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to be on our show today. Uh, we want to wish you good luck on your future endeavors. Thank you again so much, man. I really really appreciate it.
2: No, thank you so much. Sir. It was cool. Thank you for the opportunity to have a chat.
0: Cheers, sir. Have a good day. If you looked up in the dictionary the word surreal, that's exactly what I'm experiencing right now. I literally have watched John Wayne Parr fight for over 20 years before I was ever in the amateurs, before I ever even had a whiff of inclination that I was ever going to become a professional fighter. John Wayne Parr was one of my fighting heroes. I absolutely love the guy. Not only his in-ring capability, which is so, so high, but his out-of-the-ring stuff, dude. He's such a nice, humble, kind person who's been through the ringer, been against the best of the best. I could not have imagined a, a cooler guest to have than John Wayne Parr. So thank you so much, sir, for being on Combat Sports with Rhino. Uh, now we are going to get into our shout-outs that we have as we are careening towards the end of today's show. Uh, Shout out to the to the gentleman of the Rhino Gang. My boy, Mr. B. My man, Dave Fretz. At Dave Fretz. And at Dave at Solo Shoes. Uh, who also, by the way, check out the poster he put together for John Wayne Parr. You want to talk about awesome. Dave's dude. Super appreciate you, brother. The big man, Jim Assoon. The king of Twitter. My man, Mixed the Man. Thank you guys for your questions. Antonio, you as well. The homie Gator. Marquise Johns. Juice. Serious King. And you know I never will forget the ladies. Drea. G. Lanta. Deja Laura Purple Pants Pixie Dust Pokemama Ashley the MMA Nerd Chelsea and Delilah from the TKO Podcast thank you guys all so much for being such wonderful and supportive friends and uh, friends of the show and to me love all you guys I love the Rhino gang you guys are so cool all my new followers because you know I've got a lot of new followers in the last couple weeks I really appreciate you guys uh, joining me on Twitter I really hope that you can get a chance to listen to the show Um, I already tagged all my Australian homies the other day so shout out to you guys uh, thanks to D. Reigns, my awesome engineer. Bailey for doing the Twitter questions today. And one thing, just quick, real quick. Um, uh, MMA Twitter, let's be kind to each other, okay? And we're all on here because we love this sport and we love to chat about it. And that's really what it's there for. So let's, let's try to be cool and be kind to one another. And I love all you guys again. Thank you so much. Again, shout out to John Wayne Parr. And we will see you guys next week. <music>